Welcome to Third Floor Views, where we at Chesapeake Family Life talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we're talking about the anti-racism work that Arundel High School is doing. Here with us today is Principal Gina Davenport, Bumi Amasore, who's in 11th grade, Eddie Awe, who is a senior, and Dr. Jasmine Coleman, who is the Equity Leadership Council's co-facilitator. Thank you so much to all of you for taking the time to speak with me today. And just to give all of our viewers and listeners a little bit of history, I went to visit Arundel High School almost about a year ago. So it was at the um, end of last winter, and I was talking to, to everyone about the Global Community Citizenship course and the anti-racism work that they were doing back then. So just a reminder, that was pre-pandemic. It was before many of the racial justice protests that happened over the summer, and it was before the election. A lot has happened in less than a year, and it seems that the work that Arundel High School is doing is more important than ever right now. So just as a quick sort of recap, I was wondering if for our viewers and listeners, you could tell us a little bit about the Global Community Citizenship course and, and what it is. So Bumi, I think I'll just jump right in with you. If you could just give me a, a brief description on, on what that course is. Yeah. So, and, you know, we were talking about this last year related to the Global Citizenship course. It's basically a required class for all ninth graders, first starting at Arundel, but now across Anne County Public Schools. And basically, it's about teaching kids how to be tolerant. It's about teaching kids how to be a citizen, how to have productive, conducive conversation that allows for solutions to be made instead of just arguments that end with agree to disagree. And most of the course touches upon inner emotion, how to relate with others. But sometimes it also touches upon like social issues, implicit bias, the own ways that we kind of see the world and how that impacts how we see others. So just a long, long list of topics that are covered in that course. So Principal Davenport, how long have you been doing the community citizenship course at this point? So I'm, I'm very proud to say that that all the students at Arundel now have had the course because this is the fourth year that we've been doing the course. Last year, it became a graduation requirement across the county. So, so we have students that, as Bumi said, have, have had direct instruction in those skills that we think are so important to people that are going to participate in a democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really important work. I think we see that now more than ever, that this is critical that we are educating kids on how to interact with each other in a, in a positive way, in a productive Absolutely. way. That's, um, that's a good way to sum it up. That, that, is, that is really the goal is to just be able to interact in a productive way, understand each other's differences and, and um, accept and respect what we each bring to the table. And, and really, you know, it's, it's really about a strength-based model, you know, looking at each other for, for our strengths and what we can contribute and mm -hmm. definitely about problem solving. And I'm, that's the aspect of the course and the work that we're doing towards social justice that I'm the most proud of. It's very problem solving focused. Dr. Jasmine, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the transition to virtual learning. So Something that we talked about last time when I was visiting Arundel High was the importance of relationship building and how you need that trust and that safe space before you can really dive into some of these challenging conversations. 
And now here we are right now on this, this zoom call. It's, it's hard to, to create those relationships in a virtual model. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit about, especially being a, a coach to both students and teachers, how, how has that transition gone? How is this course working in a virtual model? Well, you know, I think Arundel has a bit of a point of privilege here and that this school community has historically, particularly within the tenure of our current leadership, been committed to centering students and fostering relationships. And um, being a, having been an instructional coach at the school last year and also serving this year, I'm seeing a lot of those relationships transition into the virtual space. I've also mm -hmm. seen our teachers and our students pivot because uh, we know that the way that we communicate, the tools that we use to communicate, the way that we're able to facilitate community circles, for example, which is something that we use to establish a space for students to feel comfortable speaking at the beginning of class and to foster those inclusive classroom relationships is a little bit different, but I'm still seeing the benefit of that happening in the classes. I'm still seeing the evidence of uh, relationships with teachers and students. And within the Equity Leadership Council, which is run by our students, Boomi and Eddie and, and their team, I'm seeing those relationships really drive the conversations that we have. So the foundation has been there. And what I've seen the Arundel community do is pivot to make sure that that is centered in the virtual space. And has that worked for ninth graders as well, since they're sort of coming into this as a, a new a new experience and a new community? I imagine that it's particularly challenging for them, but then yet they're, they're in this citizenship course, which I can see it being both really helpful and critical, but then also being especially challenging because it is in a virtual model. Is there anything special that's being done for ninth graders this year? So getting back to that point of privilege, the, the culture is there. So the, the teachers who are working with the ninth graders in the virtual space are the teachers who have worked with ninth graders with the Global Community Citizenship course for the past several years. So I'm sure that Ms. Davenport will speak can speak specifically to what those teachers are doing in the GCC course. But I will say that from what I've been able to observe, the core strategies that are necessary to foster relationships are still happening in this virtual space. And it's because the culture and the standard has already been set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I would agree with Dr. Coleman. I think that, um, you know, our teachers are using some great expertise that they have acquired over the last several months with lots of, of virtual tools mm -hmm. to get students to engage and participate. And, you know, the, the topics are still the same. They may be using a Jamboard instead of post-it notes and a gallery walk, but, you know, we're still, we're still getting kids to, to communicate with each other and share their experiences and talk about all of those, those topics that, that Boomi you know, mentioned at the beginning of, of this call. So I, I think that even though we would much rather be together, absolutely, can't wait for that to happen. Um, we're, we're, we're using all the tools at our disposal to make sure that, you know, there's equity of voice, kids are having the opportunity to be a part of the classroom community, and it's going very well. That's, that's good to hear. I know not everyone is having a positive experience. So this is not the only thing that you're doing. You are really busy. You guys are a busy group of people and I love it. I really wanted to talk to you today about your anti-racist book club and that this is, this is new as of this year. Is that correct, Principal Davenport? 
Yes. Um, over the, the summer, our equity committee, our, our equity team at Arundel, which is, has 30 adult members from our from our faculty and staff, teachers, custodians, secretaries, all, all guidance counselor, all, all people, it touches every aspect of the adult community at Arundel, came together and talked about with the crisis in our country, what were we going to do for equity this year that was going to be different than what we had done in the past. And one of the ideas generated at that, that meeting was that we wanted to create a place where we could have student voice front and center, because as a, as a white educator, I do not know the experience of brown and black children in my building. And I, I, I need to understand what that experience looks like if I'm going to make sure that it's what I want it to look like which is, you know, equity, inclusion, representation. I need those, I need all students at Arundel to feel comfortable and welcomed in, in every class that they, every classroom that they enter. So I reached out to Boomi and Eddie um, and a couple of other students over the summer. I called their parents and I said, this is my cell phone number. Can, can you give it to your, your child and ask them to call me? And almost instantaneously, my cell phone started ringing with, with these amazing students that I, I had known from the past from different encounters, but I knew that they had insight and voice. And, and my ask was, Would you, will you lead this student group to, to really be an advisory board for me and for my staff so that we know what's going on at Arundel. Um, and initially in that, in that first conversation, they told me that Arundel was great. It was a diverse community and everybody got along. And then when we dug a little deeper and they started to realize that I really wanted to know the answer to the question, then they came up with three big rocks that they wanted to work on as goals for the Arundel community throughout the school year. And, and ever since that conversation, you know, Boomi and Eddie and, and a couple of others have, have come together multiple times a week to devote to this work. I'm blessed that um, Dr. Coleman and Dr. Liz DePriest took on this group and, and kind of shepherd them, but they'll tell you there's more, it's more joy than work. At least that's what they tell me. And, and the kids have just taken off. And one of the, the things that they did was they established this book study and I'm, I'll let you, I'll let them talk about the ELC and, and the book study and then where we go from here. Definitely. Yeah. Eddie, I'd love to hear your voice on this in terms of how does this work? Like what's, what does the book study look like? You know, who's in it? What, what are you reading? What are you doing? What are you talking about? So book study is just an extension of the marvelous work that we've been doing in Let's Talk Justice. And in fact, the reason for the book study is the same reason for the starting of the ELC. We really want to establish a solid connection between students and teachers. You know, and for the book study specifically, you know, at its core, it is ultimately unity through enlightenment. As you can see, you know, past in, um, you know, this is a couple of months, America has been so deeply divided based off of misinformation disinformation, you know, sometimes even lies. And so this book study is aiming to be the antithesis of that. You know, disinformation and division, unity through enlightenment. And so that's why we really chose this book, Stamp, Anti-Racism and You, because that truly, you know, when we do um, our weekly, well, actually two times a week um, meetings for this book study, we always ask them, you know, what is one thing that you got from it. And a lot of them, you know, from the superintendent to just student, enlightened. 
they felt, you know, they came in different than they left out, you know, and that is really what brings me joy. And that was the primarily uh, main purpose of not only the book study, but all the work that we're doing at ELC. That's a big word, enlightenment and and unity. And especially right now, those are those are big asks. So what are the how are you how are you working on that? What are the sort of how are you breaking down those big goals into more manageable pieces? What do the conversations look like when you are actually meeting? So for the book study, we have we have a focus question. So we come in, uh, we ask, you know, the question, you know, how do you feel? You know, how do you feel about all the current events? You know, how do you feel about the book and everything? And so once we really compile that information and get a general sense of how everyone is feeling, we then go into our breakout rooms for more, you know, a cohort, a more intimate discussion about the book and how, you know, we can see it playing in our real world. And so conversations, we have very uh, direct focus questions that try to, you know, take the framework that we've been given about American history and quite literally dismantling it. You know, re-looking, looking at history and its uh, viewpoints through different lenses. And so, you know, throughout this book, we realized that history as told to us is inherently skewed. You know, it's shown from the white man's perspective. And there's so many details. There's so many things that we aren't being aware of, haven't been taught in our curriculum that we can finally see throughout this book. And so, you know, we ask about, you know, is it really as black as white as it seems? You know, was there, you know, anti-race, you know, racist people and not racist people? And through this book, you learn new definition, new terminology, new language, because the best way to unify is through common language. And so we learned uh, phrases like anti-racist, assimilationist, and segregationist. You know, it's no longer black and white as taught in history. You know, people like W.B. Du Bois, uh, Dubois, as you see in conventional textbooks, you know, he was, you know, a famed black activist, you know, he wanted to free black people. But throughout this book, you see that he only wanted to free a certain tenth of them, you know, he only saw certain black people as worthy of this, you know, equality. And so it, throughout this book, we really learn, uh, we really see history with nuance, with color, mm-hmm. instead of just black and white. One of of my favorite, if you don't mind, one of one of my favorite conversations through this book study that was done with teachers and students side by side, having these conversations together, which is one of the things that I think it was so unique about our experience because, you know, teachers signed up for this and 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 students signed up for this and and they were able to share their feelings together from multi generations of, of, of people. Um, one of my favorite conversations was when we grappled with the idea of the founding fathers. And we talked about, you know, Thomas Jefferson as a slave owner and Thomas Jefferson as a great American founder. And how do we, how do we kind of rectify that, that, that those, those two sides to Thomas Jefferson and, and just the, the, the ability to share ideas and, and to, to, to talk about that together, as I said, multi-generational it, it was it was enlightening. I hate to use I hate to, to go back to, to Eddie's word, but it, it was it was really enlightening to hear just how how we grapple with that um, and why it is such a, a, a discussion and, and a discussion that that I have never had until I worked with this group of students. This is not something that I, I discussed in my history classes in, in high school 
which is again the point of of this this book study is to really be able to have those those conversations we we're not able to draw any conclusions about thomas jefferson you know and we're not and we're not talking about the politics of it we we're just sharing ideas about can can somebody be a, a great american historical figure and still be and be a slaveholder and how do we how do we manage that in our in our minds and that was just an example of the the kinds of conversations and deep thinking that um that this book study generated another thing about this book study that was so powerful and the students are humble they probably would never lead with this they led the entire book study the adults had minimal to do with any of this. They opened the book study, they established norms and community building strategies for the space. Uh, they took us into breakout groups. And, and when I say us, there were about 60 uh, people registered for the book study. Half of those were educators uh, from teachers to other staff members in the building, to leadership in the building, to leadership in the county who are represented here. And uh, they took them to the breakout groups and asked pointed questions. And then they came back as a full group and they led us through modern applications of this historical information that we were digesting and analyzing through the book Stamped. And the power that was there was so palpable that we ended up staying far beyond <laughs> the one hour that was allotted. We would call it the after party. And the students showed up every single time and they helped to take our understanding to the next level. Yeah, That's I have to say incredible. that the most, I, I love what everyone said, but for me personally, the most valuable part, while departing, you know, education to those who had a lack thereof, you know, they didn't know things about the Black experience, the history, what I felt was most valuable for me, since I usually am in classes, which I'm the only Black female, or I'm the only Black student, was being connected with basically the Black community at Arundel, since many, many people who worked in the book study and who were, you know, members of the book study were people of color. And we could have discussions in which I had thought, oh, I thought that was just a me problem. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just something that, I, uh, that was my cross to bear. And I couldn't really tell anyone about it because who I tell. One of my favorites, and that's why I felt it was really important that we had application because you can learn a lot of things, but until somebody without holding your hand says, okay, what is this? And you can point it out, oh, that's assimilationism. Oh, that's segregationist. Oh, that's anti-racist. Until you can do that without somebody of color holding your hand and verifying that, you have not learned. And I remember one of my favorite conversations was when we talked about hair, which for people who aren't in the black community, that might not seem like, you know, as big a thing, but I was shocked. And I know it kind of seems like, you know, why would people who don't have black hair know this? But I was shocked when I would talk to people and they thought that like getting all of your hair braided would take like an hour or two hours or when people didn't know what relaxer was, when people didn't know the difference between a wig and a weave and all this type of stuff, I was flabbergasted because not only was I coming from a place where I didn't know that they didn't know that, but they didn't know all there was to find out about something as simple as your hair. It was just really, really exciting because I got to talk with not only like my peers, but also fellow educators who I look up to about like the struggle, I guess, about having to wait to go into a salon, having to wait eight hours in a chair. And it was all just very reassuring because I finally knew this is not just a you problem. This is a thing that other people are going through and now they don't have to be silent about it. Yeah, I can see how that would be a really 
powerful experience. So how you said there were 60 people that participated. So it sounds, you know, an, an opt-in people signed up and, and people from all over the school, which is so cool. What about the people that, that didn't sign up? How do you bring this, this power, this powerful experience that clearly was, was transformational? How do you bring it to the rest of the school, both students and staff? Well, Janet, the beautiful thing about that is not only are our students committed and the teachers who are working with this Equity Leadership Council committed to um, ensuring that all students have access to equitable and inclusive resources to help them be the best that they can be, but also our school leadership is committed across the board, led by Dav Gina Davenport at the helm, and our district leadership is committed to it. So uh, Ms. Davenport spoke briefly about the equity team that we have with you know 30 educators um, and staff members from all parts of the school. We plan uh, each month uh, under the guidance of our district or equity district leadership, equity professional development for our teachers. We have two hour early dismissals, four throughout the year, where we spend time unpacking these hard concepts, these difficult, uncomfortable pieces that we know that our teachers need to understand. Our very first equity professional development focused on you know, what is anti-Blackness? What does racism actually mean? What is diversity? What's the difference between diversity and inclusion? What's the difference between equity and equality? So we did some level setting. Um, we made sure that our teachers were able to access it. And from there, we've moved into understanding what is social justice? What does social justice look like in education? And how can we bring these strategies you know, how can we use this mind shift that is occurring in these sessions and these strategies that we are acquiring into the classroom for the benefit of our students? And it's, it is actually uh, moved beyond just the PDs. Our department chairs are now involved in, in getting their teachers involved in applying applicable, uh, applying instructional strategies in the classroom to help students. And so this is something that has been ongoing and is and now being done in a way that is sustainable that will last throughout the school year and beyond to ensure that our teachers are aptly trained to make sure that students have the best experience. And also to make sure that our teachers understand that expectation. And for, for us at Arundel, the game changer in that professional development has been student voice. Um, we take snippets from our Equity Leadership Council meetings of our students explaining what representation means, what's the difference between inclusion and equity. And we allow our teachers, who are predominantly white, to hear from our students about their own experiences so that they understand that this is not something from a textbook. This is something that is real in our hallways when we're back in our hallways, but this is something that is a real part of our community and we have the responsibility to make changes to improve the situation for our, for our students. And that has been one of the probably the most powerful pieces of our PD is giving our teachers the time to hear from our students and then reflect on what that means to them and, and how their behaviors and practices impact our kids and what they can do to make sure that they are moving on that anti-racism paradigm, you know, they're on that, 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 that train so that they're part of the solution and not contributing to the problem. And, and our student voice, the student voice has been an integral part of that. And that's one thing that I'm very proud of that, that our kids have gifted to us. That seems like a clear takeaway is that Eddie and Boomi, you're, 
you are the power behind this. And I think that's so true on many levels because you're the next generation and you're going to, to move us forward. And it's a, it's a tremendous job, but feeling so uplifted by the work that you're doing. And even someone like Amanda Gorman, you know, hearing her speak at the inauguration and it's just like, yes, I think it really brings hope. Not only hopefully to other, other young people, but also to us adults who are like, yes, thank goodness. We got a lot of smart, powerful youth that are, are, are excited to jump in. I do have a question from one of our viewers right now. And she uh, sounds like she's struggling a little bit with getting elected officials on board. So she says, Ms. Davenport, how can we get our elected officials who are all white to understand what children of color are facing and why programs like this are needed as part of an education without triggering white fragility. So that's, she's not in Anne Arundel County. She is over in Queen Anne's County in the public schools and struggling with some issues over there. So I was just wondering, I also know that you have some plans um, in the works to expand some of the work that you've been doing beyond Anne Arundel County. So this might be a great opportunity to talk about that. But then Principal Davenport, I would like to hear your take on like, how, how do you grapple with, with some of the elected officials that just aren't on the same page in, in a really disappointing way? So I, I think that, that, you know, back to what Eddie and Boomi have said, I think, I think that we just have to get people to listen. You know, um, I, I am, I am, I'm going to talk about my privilege again. I am privileged that I have the trust of the students in, in my community and, and, and my students will tell me what's on their minds. And that's, that's an amazing thing. Um, we need adult, all adults to listen to the kids, whether that's a public official, whether that's the police department, the fire department, other, other educators, you know, throughout the, 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 the schools, the public school system, we just need to really start listening. So our plan is to invite more and more and more and more people to hear the insightfulness of our, of our students, you know, and, and I, I have no problem inviting elected officials to come and eavesdrop or participate in a conversation because the, the, the message that the kids and, and my students, I need, I need to say this because I've said this to, to the kids, but what's really special about, about the students that I'm working with is that they will, they will identify a problem and they will quickly identify for me multiple solutions. It's not about blaming people. It's not about pointing fingers. It's not about being angry. It's about enlight. Back to, to Edward. It's about enlightening us to the things that are going on, and then helping us to brainstorm the solution to the problem. And that's what we have to do. We have to approach our elected officials as if we want to partner with them to brainstorm to come up with the solutions to the problems, because they can't solve the problems of our society by themselves. That they can't do it. It, it has to be a community-based endeavor. It, it ha this work has to be grassroots, you know, and, and, and we're hoping that, yes, it's the Arundel Equity Leadership Council, but we have had people join us from other schools. We've had students from other schools. We've had county leadership join us. Uh, this morning, I got an email that, that somebody from Arlington, Virginia wants to join us. So, so we're ready. We're, we'll, we'll talk to anybody. Guys, Boomy, Eddie, wh what do you think? Who will you talk to? Anyone, anyone. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ms. Davenport already said it. I'll talk to anyone, really. I would say that 
I think that we're really privileged in Anoka County, and I say as someone who's not native to this county, and Eddie isn't either, in the sense that we have a lot of opportunity that is not present in every single county. We have a lot of youth engagement options, not only within our school system, but within our county. Both Eddie and I are affiliated with the Youth Advisory Council, where we get to work side by side with our county executive, Stuart Pittman. I mean, we get to have the ability to start initiatives that will not only affect our peers, it won't only affect our zip codes, it'll affect our county as an area. But that isn't the case for everyone. I know that isn't necessarily the case for Queen Anne's County. And I think that to solve this in the most efficient way, we need to prioritize the youth. One thing that I've always detested is being talked to like a child, being treated like a child, because look, I'm turning 18 this year. I know it's, it's hard to believe, but I'm turning 18 this year and I'm gonna vote. So it doesn't make sense to treat me like a five-year-old when I'm gonna be your constituent in only a matter of eight months. You need to give youth voice, you need to give them power, you need to give them resources, you need to give them an equitable path to be able to participate in society because like we have all been saying, we're the future. We're the ones who are going to be going to the polls. We're the ones who are going to be the politicians that were so eagerly trying to affect their policy. So in terms of you know teetering around that line of white fragility, it's a challenge. It has always been, and it will probably continue to be as long as white supremacy, what do you call it, is reign supreme. But what I think is that as we become more diverse and like Dr. Coleman said, inclusive society, allowing people from any creed, any color, any gender, any background to have a seat on the table and at least have the ear of politicians is going to be the first step of chipping away that barrier that we're that a lot of people around Maryland and really the United States as a whole are dealing with. Yeah. I Eddie, agree. I want to um, give you the last word and I, I want to give you a chance to reflect on what Boomi said, but also I want to hear about what's next for what you guys are working on at Arundel and sort of what, what your hopes and dreams are for, for where this can go. Thank you. So just to touch on to the amazing things uh, Dr. Coleman, Boomi, and Mrs. Davenport said, you know, it starts now, you know, it starts at the bottom, especially just to answer that question, because I see, you know, like as Boomi said, we are extremely privileged, you know, we have people, you know, in these top positions, you know, Mrs. Davenport, the county executive, Dr. Arlotta, who want to listen to the youth. And so for the people outside of this county, it wasn't always like this. It wasn't because it starts with you. It starts with you. Once you start the fire, once you get a couple of people, once you get us together, because the ELC, no matter like, you know, aside from all this achievements that we've done, was really just Miss Davenport emailing a couple kooky kids and saying, hey, you know, what about making some change? And that's where we built. So in Queens Anne's County, just get your friends, you know, get an initiative. And once you make a fire, once you make a start, uh, spark so bright, no one will be out of their mind to refuse it. And that's where the change begins. And so um, just to talking about, you know, where we came from and now we're transitioning over to where we're going, we have a lot in store. This is just the beginning. You know, it started with GCC. You know, it started with this crazy idea that Ms. Davenport had is like, you know, why don't we just relate with one each other? You know, why don't we just break down these barriers? And this has been a four-year initiative and now it will go even beyond. And so, you know, 
right now, I think it was last week, we just, um, the county police department reached out to us asking, you know, what can we do to involve more youth? And so we are uh, currently coming in with meetings and we're going to essentially set the stage for more um, county government initiatives for youth. Um, another thing is, I know this needs to leave the classroom. You know, one of our meeting norms in our public forums and in our book study is what happens here leaves here. And so, so far it has grown like wildfire. It has left the classroom, has left the Google Meet and has actually imparted actual change. And so I know Boomi is spearheading for the Youth and, uh, Advisory Network, a legal literacy program. You know, now more than ever, people need to know their rights. And this, you know, million dollar idea started with the 17 year old, like, think about that. You know, once like the youth have ideas, the youth sees the problem and wants to make a change. It's just a matter of letting them. And so we have so many more initiatives and everything just like cooking up, definitely in the works. Uh, we'll keep you updated. But again, you know, if you light the fire, well, once you set the spark, the fire will come. That's so powerful. And I, I'm so excited to keep in touch and, and continue to hear about all the exciting work that you're doing. So a huge thank you to Principal Gina Davenport, to Bumi Amasore, to Eddie Awe and Dr. Jasmine Coleman for speaking with me today about all the fantastic work that you are doing at Arundel High School. We love to hear your thoughts, comments, and questions. If you enjoyed what you heard today, check out more at thirdfloorviews.com. I'm Jenna Jefferson. This is Third Floor Views. Thank you for listening.